Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to episode number 90, Basketball Card Podcast. I'm your host, Adam. If it feels like I just did one of these, it's because I did. I dropped one on Friday and it's now Monday and I'm doing this one. I'm doing it. I'll tell you why I'm doing it in such a quick turnaround in just a second. But first, this episode number 90 is brought to you by PWCC, who has 11,000 items ending this Sunday, including an MJ Fleer sticker rookie, BGS 9.5, a PMG green of LeBron from 08 Skybox, and a Dwayne Wade exquisite rookie. Over 2,000 basketball items ending this Sunday at PWCC. Guys, um, I wanted to do a podcast today because there's only one day of the year where the next day is when the NBA season begins. And um, this is the basketball card podcast, after all. Um, There's lots of good podcasts to listen to out there on expectations for the upcoming season. This is a hobby-geared podcast, though. So what I'm going to be doing is looking at the storylines and what I think about, um, you know, how that relates to cardboard. Sometimes a player can get to a point in their career where even a championship doesn't mean the most um, to how people think about their cards. Um, but I've written, so spent some time this morning. I came up with what I think are the 21 best storylines in the league. Probably missed some of them. I apologize for those that I have. For some reason... I keep thinking, Adam, you should do something on Lamelo Ball. You should do something on excuse me, Lamelo Ball. Um, but no, I left him off the list. I've got 21 other items. We're gonna hit them. We're gonna hit them fast. And again, I'm gonna be talking about the storyline and how it influences the cards as well. So with that started, let's get rolling. I think to sort of preface this, though, it's important to recognize this is something I talked about a few months ago now. There's really like two, there's a two significant, um, there's two significant things in the hobby that are both variables, they're always changing, and people get them confused. One is the market. The market is always changing. Back in 2020, the market was exploding, and everybody thought they were a genius, um, when in reality, you would, ha- you would have had to be really not very smart to be buying cards that were increasing in value. Um, the point of this podcast is not to just talk about things that, as far as like what's going to increase and what's not going to increase. I don't generally know that, but I think it's interesting to think about some of these things. And frankly, as a collector, I almost never think about what will be increasing or decreasing when I buy it. A lot of people do. I try to stay true to what do, what does my collection need? That's the question that I always ask, but you've got these two variables. I digress. You've got this, these two variables. One is the market, and two is what's happening on the court. You also could say you have this third one, which is like, how is the brand doing? The brand of the insert, the brand of the card. Um, but the, the main two are what they are, and then you've got this brand piece. It's also significant. Well, what I think has happened over the course of the last few years is the whole market's gotten absolutely destroyed to the point where the market has really gotten destroyed, too. And that reduction in value has left us in a place that for me is a lot more fun because I feel like, I mean, I I feel like there's a chance to actually buy cards for prices where there's a chance they could be worth more later on um, of current players. Um, I've always felt that about people who aren't current, but I feel like that about current players right now. And so the 21 storylines that I'm going to be talking about today are all current things. And since I don't want this podcast to go on for hours and hours, we're going to try to keep them. Uh, we're going to try to keep them uh, quick. We've got 21 of them. We're going to go through seven each section, and I'm going to go from what I think is the um, 21st most interesting storyline all the way up to number one. If you listen to podcasts, you'll notice. If you if you listen to a lot of them, you'll notice they don't do what I'm doing. Podcasts generally want to get out some of the big things in the beginning. I'm going to do the opposite, but I think they're all big storylines. So let's do it. So storyline number 21 in going in again in reverse order, countdown fashion. You guys know I love a countdown. Um, Storyline number 21 is James Harden. And so when we think about the situation that James Harden is in right now, as of this moment, he's still a Philadelphia 76er. Um, Will he be in a couple of days? Will he be next week? I don't know. 
What I do know is that when people talk about the greatest shooting guards of all time, he's obviously not one of the first couple, but he's pretty close. He's, he's like, he, he doesn't come too far down the list after that. We're talking about a guy with MVPs, um, uh, all the scoring leaders, you know, for several years, a guy who averaged all, you know, more than almost anybody ever in a season, um, a guy who almost scored 3,000 points in a season, you know, a guy who was as close to bringing down the Warriors at their peak as anybody. Um, and unfortunately, because of how things have gone, he's sort of also a guy who doesn't have a clear home anymore, not just in terms of a current team, but including a fan base. And the reason that that's interesting from a card perspective is that Harden has like very devout a very devout group of fans that love his like really rare stuff, especially, especially his autographs. He doesn't have a lot of autographs. Um, but when I think about where Harden goes right now, I think it's a really important um, I think it's a really important item to sort of consider because he's a guy who could easily swing the championship odds, and there is one massive gap in his resume and it's a championship and if he were to get that with how passionate his small fan base is it becomes a really interesting thing to me you know the way the way that i think that you can think about this and, and sort of show how interesting it is is do yourself a favor and go look at what a gold chrome refractor of harden sells for and then compare it to steph and then compare it to the other guys in the set like blake like DeRozan. He's worth more than those other guys are, but not that much more. And when you think about where he ranks in the all-time lists, he's a lot closer to Steph than he is to Blake, right? I think a lot of people have Harden as like a 25 to 30 guy all-time. Where we're talking about Blake and DeRozan maybe making the Hall of Fame. Um, Harden still has a chance to change. I'm taking too long on this, but Harden still has a chance to, to change how people think about that. So that's my number 21 uh, storyline for the year. Number 20, the Detroit Pistons and Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey had a huge season last year and with Cunningham missing, got uh, got to, to use, to have a fairly high usage rate. Nothing insane, but the dude averaged you know, 20 points for for huge portions of the season. I think he ended the season at like 17 or 18 points a game. And that was as a rookie. You know when you, when a guy goes into his second year, there's an expectation for a jump. But at the same time, Cunningham's coming back. And so hopefully what that means for Detroit fans is for the first time in a long time, it'd be great to see some real success for the Pistons. Now, what does success look like? I personally don't think you're, you know, you're really looking at like a, um, necessarily like the playoffs. But Cunningham's a guy who could make the all-star team, and Ivy's a guy who could absolutely make some noise as well. Um, there's some talk of whether he'll even be a starter on the team. We'll have to see how that shakes out and what they do with the team. But but people have largely forgotten about Cade because he didn't play at all last season. He still has rookies that are worth thousands and thousands of dollars. And for him, it's a real make-or-break make moment because people have sort of like, it's been an out-of-sight, out-of-mind situation. And when he comes back, he has to perform in a big way. Otherwise, the people who are old, holding those rookies are going to continue to feel sort of n more more nervous about him. I I think um, Ivy's you know obviously super interesting. Where you've got this this really shiny um, rookie class that's coming in. I think the last rookie class, a lot of people are going to take their eyes off of them. But he's somebody who might be interesting to watch because if he's able to take a step, I mean it's not that far off to believe he can average 20 or more a game. And if he does, you know, then how do you want to think about him? There's more 20 point per game scores today than there were five, 10 years ago. So maybe it doesn't mean anything, but um, next to Cade, if they were able to do that together, it'd be really interesting to see. The next storyline number 19 is I wrote down what other rookies will emerge. Um, and I wrote this down, I, put, I had this in order, not in order, and then I sort of resorted it. And um, obviously there will be some other rookies that I'll talk about specifically. Um, but when we think about the Thompson twins or Scoot or, or you know, Anthony Black or just so many of these different rookies that have a chance to make a real difference, um, some of those guys who aren't being really focused on right now are going to get a ton of attention over the course of the next nine months. And it's, it's always like the most fun part of the year to sort of prospect and try to figure out like what, 
what who's the who's the guy going to be? The Thompson twins are so athletic, but what are they going to be? No one really knows, right? And so you know that's always going to be a massive um, story. Number eighteen is the Jazz. I had to put my Jazz on the list. I didn't hit every team obviously because I only had twenty one points, but I've got to put the Jazz because I think the Jazz are really interesting. Obviously, they're a team that has you know just a ton, and I mean a ton of picks and young talent. They drafted Keontae George at 14. They drafted um, Taylor Hendricks earlier, and he didn't have the best um, preseason. But I don't want to say he had a bad preseason. He's just so young and so unpolished. He's a guy who's probably going to take a couple years, but that's not what we thought. That's not what we saw with Keontae. Keontae George got national buzz in the preseason, and he was unreal. I mean, unreal guys. Um, when I think about what he has the chance to become as a Jazz fan, it's really exciting because he's got great size. He can really shoot it. He didn't play point guard at Baylor, but um, but clearly looks like he's going to play point guard in the NBA. Um, it's one of those situations where he came in and another guy who was more of an upperclassman had a chance to, or basically took priority. And I think that hurt Keontae's stock. He also wasn't in great shape in college and then he got hurt. And so I think that hurt his overall draft stock. But I think if they were to redo the draft even today, I, I think it's very you know clear the guy would be a top 10 pick. And so that's really exciting. But not only him, um, Larry Markinen last year, here's a fun stat for you guys. When Larry played last year, the Jazz won 49% of their games. The reason that they didn't win you know, more is because he missed a bunch of games at the end of the season. He was the reason that the Jazz were so awesome last year. And if you go look at his shooting splits, you're gonna be, it's going to knock your socks off. His rookie cards jumped a ton last year. He went to a, a, a really loyal fan base, and he was awesome. And so not shockingly, they jumped a ton. But my question is, what if the team had had success? Like, what if the team had gone to the playoffs? What if the team had been able to, like, be competitive? He's really interesting because he's a guy, like, would it shock me if Larry Markinen this year scored 28 a game? I don't know what he scored last year. Was it 25 or 26? Like, he scored a lot last year. Um, could he score 28? Could he, could he do like a 50, 40, 90 thing? Like he's really good guys. And so, um, you know, I would, I would continue to watch his rookie cards and see what if the jazz surprise again with team success. The thing is the team's really deep, uh, but we don't have any, any idea who they're starting. Like guards are going to be, they've got like six guards that could all potentially start. All of them look good off the bench, but none of them are guys who you definitely want starting. And so, It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Jazz, but um, I think that their cards have, whenever you look at teams that don't have huge promise, you have to ask the question, like, what, or, or like, huge expectations. You know, whenever you look at a team that doesn't have huge expectations, that's a team that has a chance to do really big things. These teams that have expectations, their prices are already built in. Teams that don't, those are the ones that can end, end up doing big things, those are the ones that can have the biggest jumps. And so that's what you want to find. Number 17, does Kawhi have a better chance to be the 10th? That's what I wrote down. Does he have a better chance to be the 10th best player of all time or the 70th? He already made the NBA All-75 team, so we have to put him in the top 75. But the Clippers have been a disaster since he arrived. And I think the card community is still trying to figure out what this means for him. Like, he won championships with multiple teams. There was a chance that he could get three a few years ago and then... You know, he flamed out in the conference finals with the Clippers. But, like, when the guy's been healthy, he's been one of the most interesting players in the NBA. And that's, that transfers to cards. But, guys, like, it's been a disaster. Even the year that they went to the conference finals, he wasn't playing that year, right? That was Paul George taking it to, to my jazz in the second round. Um, Kawhi, for his long-term value, has to come back and do something. I know he's got two championships, but the one with Toronto and then one is a young spur, I just don't think has long-term sustaining value unless he can show greatness going forward. We've already seen his prices dip so much, but he's the key player from 2012, which includes the first Flawless, that incredibly important National Treasures brand, the first Immaculate, the first Prism, the first Select brands. He's got a lot of important rookies. He still has a chance to be an all-time great, but he's got to come back. And it's very much in doubt at this point. And so his cards, I think, can be affected by almost as much as anybody 
who has his sort of resume at his stage in his career, like who's ever played. Uh, number 16, what if the Sixers aren't contending? Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid suffers from the same thing that most big guys do, right? They're well-loved by fans, but they don't get the hobby love. The hobby loves the Kobe figure, the guy who glides through the air and has these amazing photogenic, great, like, slam dunk moments, right? Um, the hobby doesn't love big, lumbering, you know, like, jump hook, defensive guys like Joel Embiid, or frankly, guys like Nikola Jokic, um, Anthony Davis, sometimes even, you know, sometimes I wonder if, if Giannis will go down that road. Um, a lot of big guys, you know, just compare Shaq's value with a guy like Kobe. Most people have Shaq or Kobe pretty close in the all-time rankings. Who's worth more? It's, and it's been like that forever, right? So when I think about Embiid, I think his prices aren't, have never been super high, but like if the Sixers aren't contending and Embiid says, hey, he puts his hand in here and says, I don't want to be here anymore. Guys, Joel Embiid, there's a reason he was the MVP last year. He's one of the best players in the world. And he could absolutely change everything in the NBA. What I mean, and here's the other thing, guys. The Sixers really only have Joel. Like, I know they've got a couple other little pieces, you know, but like great pieces, it's just Joel. Um, and then number 15, last one before our break, I'm really interested to see the first year of Quinn Snyder, first full year of Quinn Snyder with Trey. Trey is one of the most interesting players in all of basketball because at times you think that guy is unstoppable and he has to be on the on the top 10 list. And then there's other times where you think, I wouldn't want that guy on my team even if he came to us for free. He's just so detrimental in how he shoots the ball from places where it doesn't seem like you should shoot it sometimes. But Quinn is a great coach. And if Trey and the Hawks are able to implement a Quinn Snyder offense and do what they're, what they, what they're capable of doing, it wouldn't be a shocking thing to me to see the, the Hawks firmly in playoff contention or not contention, but like, like even playing, even playing for home court, like in the four or five seed area. And if that happens, um, and Trey starts to get positive love again, he's just such a lightning rod. Um, I'd be interested in looking at what his rookies do and his other rare cards at that point. And um, but again, that's that's going to be contingent on how he plays. And I don't have a, I don't have a prediction. I just I think it'll be it'll be really interesting to watch. Okay, we'll be back in a sec with group number two. You've probably heard about Alt. But have you registered for their auction yet? Twice a month, Alt features its Liquid Auctions event, which caters to collectors of all kinds. The platform is super easy to use, connects to your bank in minutes, and provides a super fun bidding experience. What are you waiting for? Register on Alt XYZ today. I'm going to try to pick up the pace here. Uh, number 14, the Rockets Young Kids. Okay, This is a really interesting situation, and I think it's really like a pendulum moment for them from a hobby perspective. So with the Rockets, you've got all of these young athletes and they added a bunch during this year's draft. They've got like six or seven guys on their team that are really interesting from a hobby perspective. Guys that are high flyers, they have all the potential in the world, they have a lot of scoring prowess. And then they, what they did is they did, some, they did something super interesting, okay? They added two players who are not efficient, um, in Fred VanVleet and Dylan Brooks, two guys that are not, um, you know, two guys that are not guys that take any crap from anybody though. Tough guys, tough in their different ways. Um, you've heard a lot about Dylan Brooks being a bad guy and you know how he called out LeBron, and you know the sense that I get is that Dylan Brooks is a guy who is not good at a lot of things, but comes with it every day and plays really hard. He's the sort of guy who that like effort level, I think they're hoping wears off on the Rockets kids. Um, I say the kids, like all these rookies, first and or second and third year guys. Um, the question to me is which of that Rockets group is going to jump out? Um, and I don't think that anybody really knows. You look at a guy like Cam Whitmore who went in the twenties this year and I think he was, he might've been their third draft pick this season, if I remember right, um, or second draft pick. You look at like, like what he's done in preseason and in summer league, it's, it's tantalizing, right? There's so much talent there, but can Van Vliet and can Dylan Brooks 
can their sort of like what what we're gonna call for lack of a better word professionalism can it wear off on the rockets i don't know and if it does wear off on the kids then how do collectors react because since they have so much young talent who's gonna rise to the crop who's gonna be the cream of the crop there no one really knows the answer to that and and the other thing that i think we're likely to see is they're not going to keep all of these young athletes forever. I would I would be really surprised, honestly, if we even made it to the end of the year with all of them still on that roster. I would look for them to potentially make a move. If not this year, then certainly in the next uh, next season after that. Um, so when you think about NT rookies of some of these guys, um, you know, Jalen Green, people so high on him, but you is he for sure going to be the guy? He might be. He might be great. Or maybe not. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Sorry, you got cut off there for a second. So Jalen Green, um, I think is gonna be really interesting. Obviously, Jabari Smith Jr., I think a lot of people still have a lot of hopes for. We, you know, you see the Thompson, uh, Thompson kid, Amen Thompson, um, and Cam Whitmore from, from this year's rookie class. And then Sangoon was reported to have grown a couple inches and Sengun was like the most interesting guy on the team last year uh, but again he's not hobby interesting in the same way that the, that the little guys are except for you see the way that Jokic has really taken off in the hobby over the course of the last year or so and you have to wonder if a guy is able to really make a team a winner and maybe Sengun can do that um, he can always get um, he can always have interest okay truly I need to I need to get faster number 13 Boston, the Porzingis experiment. Wow, they moved part of their identity in Marcus Smart and then have totally changed on the fly, going and getting Holiday. But with the, with a real goal to get Porzingis so much rides on a guy who up until last year had had such health issues. Um, the question with Porzingis is obviously this. Will he be healthy? Because if he is... He adds a level of rim protection and shooting from the big position that are really, I mean, it's how many guys out there are, are as big as Porzingis and, you know, can shoot the way that he can and protect the rim the way that he can. Um, he had a great year in Washington, but it's a lot harder to have a great year in Boston than it is to have a great year in Washington, right, where nobody's watching you. Uh, Boston, Boston is looking to win a championship. And so the th reason that this is interesting is that you know, you, you look at Tatum, I think all of us have sort of been watching going, why don't we talk about Tatum the same way we talk about Luca? Like, he's not that much older. Is he older? I mean, he's like, like a year older. He's been to the finals. He's been to the conference finals. He's got all this playoff success. He's great offensively and defensively. He's been on these excellent teams. But then you're like, well, is Jalen Brown that much worse? Right? Boston has championship hopes. And with that comes young guys, young-ish guys that have a lot of value, but also have a chance to be greats. Imagine if Boston can get a championship. Imagine what that does for Porzingis stuff, which, like most of the cards from 2015, aren't worth a ton. Right? There's not a lot from 2015 that's worth a lot. Um, you know, now we now we have Jokic stuff that's worth something, but. The town stuff has just fallen apart. The Porzingis stuff, the value on that's so much less than it was. So um, from a hobby perspective, Boston really needs to go have a great season. I think for them, they're one of a handful of teams where it's like championship or bust. Um, the next team on the list, number 12, um, actually is kind of a two-parter. And it's, I wrote down Donovan and the Cavs, Moby, Mobley and Garland, what about the Knicks? And so as a jazz fan, um, you know, we, w we went through this with Donovan where it was just like, are we going to be safe? Is he going to stay? Is he going to leave? Maybe we were just overly concerned, but we always felt like he was going to leave to go to New York, to go back home because he loves home. The Cavs are in a really interesting place from, from a hobby perspective because both Mobley and Garland have youth on their side, exceptional talent incredibly young players you've heard people gush about Mobley like since before he even walked into the NBA and they traded so many assets to go get Donovan now it's like oh it's only a couple of first round picks 
It was a couple of first round picks. It was the 14th overall pick that year. Um, it was, you know, it was a guard that they could have had either as a starter or as a backup in Sexton. And it was a guy in Laurie Markinen who was, you know, an all-star starter last year. They gave up a lot for Donovan. And so the coffers are a lot less full than they were. Donovan leaving the Cavs potentially is, could, could be potentially devastating because of who Mobley has the chance to be. Mobley has a chance. He didn't, you know, he didn't expand on this as much as we would have liked to have seen last year, but Mobley has a chance to be like a, a real force in the league and, and probably the best player from his draft class, right? When you're talking about him and Cade, it's kind of like, you know, who, who do we think is really going to be the best? I guess that also includes, includes Chet, right? Or do I have the wrong class there? I'm embarrassed that I don't know that off the top of my head. But but Mobley is huge, highly skilled. It can be a, a really awesome offensively and defensively. And if Donovan leaves them, then it takes them out of this championship world. And they need, they need to win. Like they're in a win-now position. And I think that's important for them from a hobby perspective too. For Mobley to be... Mobley and Garland to get where they need to in the hobby. They need to win now. And I'm nervous about them because of the Knicks. And, you know, thinking about the Knicks, they had a huge spotlight on them last year because, kind of shockingly, they were amazing. We knew Brunson was better than I think a lot of people thought because, well, for me, I saw him play without Luka against the Jazz in the playoffs, and it was like, holy crap, I was more scared of um, Brunson than I was of Luka. And although he didn't have a great, um, you know, a great uh, world games, he he's like he's awesome guys Brunson's amazing they've got a lot of youth on that team they've got a ton of assets on the Knicks and so this dance that the Knicks and the Cavs are doing is interesting I will be really interested to see what happens to all of these young guys on the Knicks because they get you know they've got ever all of them even like a guy like quickly um he's got so many people watching him and so um you know, what's going to happen with Donovan? How's that going to influence the Knicks? How's that going to influence the Cavs? It's a big, it's a big thing this year, and the Cavs need to win. All right, number eleven. I think a lot of people would have this one a lot higher in the list. Zion rookies. Zion brought a lot of people back to the hobby or to the hobby for the first time. Um, his rookie is one of the most graded cards of all time, and he was supposed to be an all-time great. The sun is setting on that. It feels like to me. There's still people who are still spending big, big, big money on Zion cards, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy at all. He's dominant when he does play, but it doesn't feel like he's like he necessarily has drive. He doesn't have the lift that he once did. I'm not saying he can't get it back, but you know what? It reminds me a lot of, if you weren't here for it, 2014-15, Andrew Wiggins. Maybe a little bit of Jabari Parker too. Um, mostly Wiggins though. Like Wiggins was, Wiggins was going to be an all-time great, according to everybody. We talk about how you know, like guys like Wemby are the biggest prospects since uh, Durant or the biggest prospects since LeBron. We forget how big of a prospect Wiggins was. Zion was that and has really failed a lot. Um, I hope he doesn't fail in the long term. I hope I hope he you know has a redemption story. But that's something you've got to watch this year because like Wiggins, at some point, although people keep buying those cards to try to sort of keep the value up, a lot of times somebody will buy a card and then they'll just, they'll buy five cards and then they'll seek to keep the value up and so they'll keep buying new cards as they hit the market. You have to wonder if that could happen to Zion at one point. You know, this is a guy whose best rookie card uh, sold for close to a million bucks. Um, this is a guy whose regular NTRPAs were like, getting close to six figures if they didn't get to six figures what's going to happen if he doesn't perform this year i feel like this is the last shot in a lot of ways he's already sort of missed everybody's um and some people have sort of already given up on zion and speaking of people being given up on number 10 jaw jaw being suspended for was it 25 games is a huge deal for a million reasons but mostly because he's been a real factor in the ho in the hobby. Man, million dollar talent, 10 cent brain on John Morant. He's got to stop doing things that are going to get him into trouble. At the same time, him being out, unfortunately Stephen Adams is out too, he's going to give uh, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson real chances to show off what they can do. 
Jaron Jackson's already proven to be a great defender, winning Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and Bain has already been a guy who scored in the high 20s um, for much of last season. But playing through an injury last year, he ended up finishing, I think, the season around 22 or 23 points a game. Um, but listen, Jaw's going to be out for the first few months of the year. Bain's got to score a ton. And so if you can, if he can keep, if he is the offensive force, can keep the Grizzlies really in a great spot, he's going to get some attention that he hasn't gotten before. And I know some people have been stacking away those NTRPAs and you know the other big Bain cards. Um, don't be shocked to see those get a bump if Memphis really crushes it. I'm not saying they're going to. They might lose every game. I don't own a sing single Bane card. I'm not planning on buying any. Um, I think it hurts that Adams is out for the rest of the year. Steven Adams is one of those guys that just makes life better for his teammates. Um, and Jaron Jackson, although he did win a Defensive Player of the Year award, I think that might have been a little premature. Um, but we'll see. Maybe those guys can do big things. And then maybe it can, you know, maybe it can do huge things for Bane and Jackson's cards because those guys have been in the shadows of Jaw. And if they can do great things without Jaw, then maybe those things will change. All right, we're down to the top. We're inside the top 10. Number nine, Franz and Paolo, uh, the Magic. The Magic are a team that is going to get a lot of love if these guys win, but it's definitely put up time for the Magic. They can't go out and have a bad season. They need to make the playoffs. No, like, oh, well, we might make the play-in. We're going to be around the 11th seed, whatever. No, like, they've got to make the playoffs. They've got to be stay healthy enough to make the playoffs. And I think people are interested to see who's better out of those two bigs. Is it Franz or is it Paolo? There's a lot of passion around those two guys. Um, I have no idea which of those two guys will be better, but I think they both have a chance to be really good. They also have sort of figured out a lot of what they're doing in the, in the backcourt. And then they went and they drafted Anthony Black, which was really interesting to me because... It felt to me like they needed more shooting. Um, to bring in a guy like Black, who is huge. I mean, he is huge for a point guard. Six foot seven. Not huge, like, from a weight perspective. He probably weighs, like, 180 pounds. But he is just, he's got this unbelievable wingspan and length. And he's smart. Gets into the lane. He flies down in the lane and just dunks it easily. Um, but seems like a good passer. And not seems like a good passer. That's, like, what is one of his main strengths. I don't know how he fits on this team. They seem like a team that's poised to like consolidate players for like somebody who's like a bigger talent. And they need shooting. Like desperately, they need shooting. So if they succeed, what do we think about Paolo cards? How do we go back and think about Franz cards? Again, so much of these, so much of the cards from this era have gone on like this real roller coaster of prices. But I think that um I think that as the market, I think, will staple on cards in general, the question will become more about how is how are these players doing? These guys have a lot of expectations on them this year, but they might reach them, and then they might even do more. Don't be shocked if the Magic really do big things. And if they do, what will happen to the cards? No idea, but it's a big question. All right, number eight. My favorite storyline maybe of the year is the Thunder. Uh, and I know a lot of people are watching the Thunder, but it's a team that didn't have Chet Holmgren last year, still made it to the playing games. Um, people keep saying things like, oh, I think they might be a year away, whatever, whatever. I don't think so. I think the Thunder are legit. I think, I think the Thunder have a really good chance of competing for home court advantage. I think they're awesome. Um, I think their talent's that high. Because it's not just Chet and SGA and the Jalen Williams boys. Like, it's giddy. It's everything. It's like, that's a legit team at this point. And I know they're young but they have the perfect mix of all those things. Talent is unreal. The only question that I have is whether they'll stay healthy. But if they do stay healthy, like I, legit, like I wouldn't be shocked if they were like the third seed. Seriously. People are like, oh yeah, the Warriors and Lakers are gonna be great. They might be, but there's a real injury chance with those guys. Like the Thunder are so young. They're so young. And Chet is freaking huge. Like the way he plays is really impressive. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And like, they didn't even have that guy last year. And they have all these picks. Um, I heard, was listening to a podcast where they said, don't be shocked to see the Thunder playing really well and then really go for it. And I, that resonates with me. And it makes, again, it makes me think of the cards. I'll tell you guys a quick story. Um, Jeremy and I were covering, Jeremy Lee um, from Sports Cards Live and I were covering the premier auction. This is like a year ago, nine months ago. I don't know, maybe even like, maybe less than that, maybe three, six months ago or something. 
and the SGA NTRPA graded by SGC was on was on um, the premier auction. I just realized I used like a million acronyms in a row. Shea Gilgis Alexander National Treasures Rookie Patch Auto um, Logo Man, uh, the best card of his in the world, was on was at auction. And when I saw it, I was like, man, SGA has a chance to be great. This could be an absolutely huge card. And it was up at the same time as a big Luca. I think it was like a Luca to 10. Or maybe it was like a Luca PSA 10 with 10 auto out, out of 99, like a Luca 10 10. It was a huge card. And Jeremy and I went back and forth on which card we'd rather have. And we were both really strong in our own corner. And I was, and I was sort of like realizing it as I was sitting there, like I was 100% on the SGA um, bandwagon for that card because I think S like if you had to ask me right now, like what are the odds that SGA has a better career than Luca? I don't think it's likely just because Luca's like such an incredible offensive player, but I don't think that SGA being better than Luca in the long haul because of his team around him. I don't think that's crazy at all. I don't think it's crazy at all. And it's because SGA is great and he has infinitely more talent around him than, than Luca did. And so when you think about like what that can mean for SGA cards, I've only bought a few rookies of, over, of guys over the last few years just because I, I don't do a lot of modern. I, I do mostly older stuff. I bought the optic gold autograph of Shea, number two of 10. And I didn't want to sell it, but then I you know, was buying something and I had to sell it. I sold it, it's been a while ago now, but as soon as I sold it, I like, I said to the guy who I bought it to, I was like, this is gonna be a $10,000 card. And I don't know if it is a $10,000 card today or if it's close to it, but like, I think it's, I think it's probably not that far off. Um, he is so special. First, first team All-NBA last year, um, as a guard, that is impressive. Um, I'm not saying that he will be better than Luca, but that's one guy on a team of just studs. You know, just guys that just know how to play the game. And with all the extra picks they have as well, guys, I just... I, I don't think that there's another young core in the league or young asset group in the league that's even close to the Thunder. I... The Magic are great. The Jazz have a lot. Blah blah blah. They're they're a, so far and away ahead. The, the Thunder are so so far and away. And you could say, well, the Spurs have Wemby, and maybe maybe Wemby's just so good that that's just the answer. Still, and I would I think that that makes sense. But the Thunder, man, the Thunder have a chance to be amazing. All right, let's go to a break. Do you grade your cards? Grading can preserve, protect, and beautify your cards. Well, maybe not all grading companies beautify the cards they grade, but CGC sure does. CGC slabs are so much nicer than the other big three that I send all of my PC cards to them for slabbing. Not only do they make the cards look amazing, but they are ultra durable. I used to think that a slab could only be super clear or super strong, but then CGC showed up. Check them out at cgccards.com today. Well, we're already longer than I wanted to go on this podcast. I am the worst person in the world at keeping things quick. I, I thought about asking somebody else to help with this podcast, and I knew I just I knew we'd never stop. So uh, we'll we'll finish up here after the final seven. Let's get to number seven. Number seven is this: Damian Lillard and Giannis. How will winning impact both? Man, this is a hard question. Recently, I sold a card that I have had for five years. It's the Damian Lillard Flawless Autographed Rookie. Number 25, his only on-card autographed rookie card. It's a card that I loved. I looked for it for years, finally found it. I had to sell it to pay for a big card, right? Ugh. To pay for the, the Kobe uh, logo mania, if you if you haven't heard uh, from the previous few episodes, and to sell a lot of stuff for that for that card, but that game was really a tough one because it's one of his best cards. Giannis has been priced as he should be as a two-time MVP, as a champion, but we've seen some of his stuff really start to take a tumble. We saw his gold prism PSA nine sell for sixty grand 
pretty recently. And to me, that was like a raise my eyebrow. Wow, like Giannis stuff has come down so much. That was after the Dame trade. Maybe that's clearly to me still the market stabilizing somewhat, but also like Giannis didn't go to the finals last year, right? Giannis was eliminated early last year. Didn't Milwaukee lose in the first round to the Heat last year? Am I remembering that right? Um, now you add Dame, and the question becomes what happens if they win? Where is the attribution given? Does the community give it to Giannis? Do they give it to Dame? What does it mean for Dame? This is why I didn't want to move that flawless card. Dame is suddenly in a, a situation where he doesn't have a lot of expensive cards, but the cards that he does have that are, that are popular, like I think people are looking at that, those cards right now going, gosh, what if this team goes and wins the championship? And is it that hard to imagine a player like Damian Lillard and a player like Giannis being basically unstoppable offensively? Defensively, even if Dame's not great, having Giannis back behind is awesome. And Brooke is getting older, but how much does he still have in the tank? The question again is what will happen to the cards from a value perspective? I'm very interested to see that. Um, beyond the value perspective, it'll be interesting to see, you know, with these guys getting a little bit older, do we see them sign? be great to see some more signatures of these guys. All right, number six, another personal favorite for me, Anthony Edwards. A lot of people are long on Anthony Edwards right now. Um, a lot of people think that the Minnesota Timberwolves have a chance to be really, really good this year. People will also quickly mention that they are nervous about the front court situation with Towns and Gobert. It's really an interesting front court situation because Towns cannot guard anybody. So you would, th and he can't protect the paint. So you would think adding a big guy might help, but he can't guard the wing either. At the same time, Gobert is not some offensive outside force. He's basically a great rim runner. It worked in Utah, um, at least in the regular season, but can it work in Minnesota? We don't know. We'll see. How that relates to Anthony Edwards is this. If Anthony Edwards can win, what can that do to his cards? Can Minnesota reach their potential? Can they win a championship? Sounds crazy, but I think it's worth considering. Um, it's, um, it's worth considering because they're as deep as they are with, this, with the strength that they have on their team that they do. Really shocked that they were able to keep Nas Reed. Those three bigs, that's a lot of power there. Conley's getting older, obviously, probably toward the end. But if Edwards is, is as legit as people think that he is, and after Team USA, I think a lot of people feel like Anthony Edwards is that great. If he and the key players are able to stay healthy, um, the team's exciting. The other thing that I'll say is, like, they played the Nuggets about as well as anybody did. Um, I noticed this. I've heard other people talk about this. The Nuggets, remember, didn't lose to the Lakers, but the Lakers kept each game close. The T-Wolves didn't keep the game first, first game close, and that's probably partly because they just basically played three straight game seven type situations. But then they went and they played the Nuggets really tough. The thing that they can do against the Nuggets that nobody else can do is they can say, hey, we'll send our center, and we're just basically going to most of the time send a single team against Jokic. Jokic gets double-teamed by so many other teams in the league that he then just picks apart, right? His passing is, he's the best passing big man of all time. So, um, you know, when when Minnesota puts Gobert against Jokic, and yes, Jokic is going to score a lot of points, but if, if they're able to just do man-on-man, -man and suddenly Michael Porter Jr. is not just shooting wide-open threes, and Jamal Murray's not just shooting wide-open threes, it it sort of stymies their offense a little bit, and it's a different way of having to win. So um, Minnesota has some of those things that other teams don't, and if it clicks this year, you have to look at Edwards and ask the question, what could happen to his NTRPA? How in demand are these things going to be? Um, and I'm really interested to see that. What happens, number five, if Luca and Kyrie don't work out, gotta ask this question because Luca has had such an important spot as the guy who's next in our hobby. 
will he still be considered the guy who's next if Dallas has to move him? Now I say that and some people are going, whoa, no, 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 Dallas, there's no way Dallas would ever move him. Probably. It's probably true. What if he demands it? Right? It would honestly be pretty surprising if Kyrie did work out. I mean, he stops as he had at this point where he hasn't worked out at all. And if he doesn't, and if Luca doesn't want to be there anymore, with all the Mavs have been through this last, like, seven or eight years, it just feels like it's been one thing after the next, after the next in Dallas. We've had so many issues. What could happen to Luca? And if Luca goes on the trading block, again, how are people are going to view that for his cards? His rookies are obviously in a Maverick uniform. Does it change anything there? I think in the long term it does. You'd rather have a player in the uniform of the team where he wins. If he goes from a team like Dallas to, say, New York, and New York goes and has a bunch of success, how do people think about the rookies? It's worth thinking about. Number four. I already talked about them a little bit with the Warriors, or with, excuse me, with um, the Timberwolves, but the Jokic-Murray-MPJ trio. Um, a team that now has a championship that's going to be wearing that little gold tag on the back of their necks this year because they have a first, they have a one-time championship franchise. The best player on that team is obviously the big dude in the middle who is the best passing big man of all time. Easily the best player in the NBA today, in my opinion. But not a guy who gets as much hobby love still as it seems like he should. He's just so good. But he's not a wing. He doesn't look like Kobe, right? He doesn't soar through the air with that grace that like Kobe Bryant does. But he's so interesting. And what happens when a guy who's won two MVPs and a championship goes out there this year and competes for another MVP and another championship? What if he goes and wins another one this year? Man, this is a huge what if and a huge question here because what we're asking is, is Jokic an all-time great? Some people are already saying that he is. I think one championship makes him very good. Two MVPs, one championship, it's very good. But could he easily be, easily win neither of those things again this year? Could he easily be a guy who's just like a, an all-NBA guy? It could happen. Part of why it could happen is guys that are Jokic's size don't usually stay healthy for that long. I hope that he's the exception rather than the rule. But the reason that this has to be so high on the list is this. Is Jokic an all-time great? Does he have the chance to be an all-time great? Because this year will largely determine where what, you know, what we'll think about him um, you know, at the end of the year. Obviously, he should have many more years left given his age. So young and already so accomplished. But he has to keep producing to be an all-time great. And if he is, then people start looking at his rookies, and, and they already have, to be clear, they already have, but more people start looking at, their, at his rookies, and they say, you know, what is his key rookie? We know about Prism, but I want the autograph. What's his, what's his best autograph? Do people start looking at Immaculate? Do more people start looking at Noir? Do more people start looking at the National Treasures that's not a patch, but is just an autograph? I think the answer to that could be yes. And so that's why this has to be as high as it is on the list this year. It's why it has to be at number four. Because Jokic's, Jokic's um, legitimacy at his all-time great this year could be confirmed. And that's important. There's a chance it won't be. Number three. Does Steph still have a real run in him? I don't know. It didn't feel like it last year. And I know everybody thinks that, they, that they're so deep. They've got Jordan Poole off the team, so some of those issues go away. I have the sense that they're done. And when I say they're done, I, I mean I have the sense that they're done winning championships. But I see other people right now saying very much the opposite. That they really believe in what the Warriors are doing. They believe in the young guys. I know Kaminga's had an unreal preseason um, in training camp. Um, I know that they have other youth there that has a chance to be excellent. And they have a really strong five. I get it. And they're deep. I get it. But the West has gotten even better. Steph is getting older. And I hope I'm wrong. But I, I, I personally think that they don't. Now, let's say I'm wrong. Let's say they do have a run in them. 
I already have Steph is the ninth best player of all time on my on my top ten. You could convince me he's ten. You probably can't convince me he's eight. You can convince me that he's eight. He's nine or ten all time. Steph's big time cards are always sought after, but we're just getting done from, with a period of several big Steph autograph collectors letting those autographs out, releasing them into the world, right, via auction, and that's changed the market for him. Once that sort of, you know, stabilizes, there's always a market for Steph's biggest cards. And it's not like he has signed a ton of autographs. I'm not saying he hasn't signed a lot, but he's not like Durant. He's not like a guy who's signed a ton for every product. Um, his early cards, his rookie cards, always being sought after. But also we have to look at guys like Clay and Draymond. Rook guys that like whose whose key cards are important because these are clear Hall of Famers, first ballot Hall of Famers, and then a guy like Kuminga can he step in and be a, you know, a fourth or fifth guy on the team? You've got to ask these questions because if he can be, to be a guy who's like really important in a run like that to to a team who's young, you know, where he's young, I, I should say. Um, could have a huge impact on his stuff. And he's not the only young guy on the team. Um, I should have put Jordan Poole on this list too because there's a real chance that guy leads the league in scoring this year or is a top three or four scorer. What happens if Jordan Poole goes and scores you know, 30 a game for the Wizards? And how will people re react on his cards? All right, number two. If you're keeping track, you definitely know what the top two are. Number two is LeBron and whether he has a real run in him. It's interesting because he's older than Steph by quite a bit. Not by quite a bit, by a few years, right? LeBron still looks amazing. He looks like he could play another 10 years. Not as he has been one of the best players in the league, but he just still looks amazing. Can they go make a run at the title? Man, they were close against the Nuggets in those games that they lost. They added a lot of depth in the offseason. And I hear some people just like saying that it doesn't mean much. Man, I think they're good. I really do. Davis should be, AD should be at his best right now. He should be at his peak. I think this is LeBron's last run in him. Austin Reeves, I think, is better than people even think. And I think people think he's good. I think he's really good. And then they've got the rest of this team that I think is committed to giving it one real last shot for LeBron. And if he can go and win, what does it mean? Well, I think a lot of people already have him as the second greatest player of all time. And if he does go and like really goes and win another championship, you're going to see a lot of people say that's the greatest player of all time. That conversation has largely gone away the last little while. Um, a couple of years. I think, it, I think it comes back again this year. And if it does come back, you know, what does it do for his cards? It's kind of a, a, a weird way to ask the question that I've sort of posed throughout this throughout this this conversation, which I hope has been helpful. I hope it's been fun for you guys. Um, I think people are going to continue to realize that LeBron's towards the end, and the people who have purchased his cards because they wanted to be part of the run will continue to sell them. I would love to grab a big LeBron card at this point. It's lower than he's been in a long time. Um, and he absolutely has a chance to go score 40-something thousand points to easily solidify his, himself as the best statistical player of all time. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see what the Lakers do. Um, watch what the young guys do, too. What happens to Davis? Guy who's listed as an NBA 75 guy, but like really only has that one championship that's in the bubble. He needs more to add to that resume. And this is a great year to do it. Austin Reeves, what happens to his rookie stuff? Um, they've got guys throughout the team. This is the thing about the Lakers. The Lakers are like the one team in the league where you really have to watch even like the most common players on the team. Because if somebody gets hurt and somebody else gets thrown into the lineup, being being on in a Laker game will immediately change how people think about your cards. The number one story of the year is Victor Wembanyama. 
Um, I don't think it was close. Some people might take the Lakers or even the Golden State storyline, but it's Wemby. The image of Andrew Wiggins taking a three-pointer and Wembenyama standing, I don't know, 15 feet behind, like in front of him, and jumping, and you're questioning whether he is going to actually make that block. It's crazy, guys. People better be able to learn to shoot where the ball goes at least 15 feet in the air because he's he's just so long. We watched, as a family, we're like counting down the Disney animated moves movies um from snow white all through through you know through the modern day and we skipped ahead a few so that we could watch uh nightmare before christmas and the main character in that is an animated guy named jack skellington whose arms and legs are like so long and i literally looked at him and i said Wembenyama, like victor Wembenyama." Victor Wembanyama watching him for even just a few minutes during the preseason. It's like, I don't have any idea what's going to happen here, but this is going to be so much fun. And people, like, he's he's going to be much he's going to be a must watch every night. We just all need to hope like crazy that he stays healthy because um, he's going to be so much fun. So how does this relate to cards? Well, this is this is when Zion came out. You know, this is when Luca was a rookie. But I think it's bigger than both of those things. To me. And I mentioned this already when Wembenyama came out. Like I did a whole podcast on it. I think, I think like he's a top six or seven guy to come out, top six or seven prospect of my lifetime. I'm 40, so we're you know we're we're talking about like Dave Robinson. Dave Robinson when he came out was huge, right? Shaquille O'Neal, um, Duncan, Yao, LeBron. Wemby, Zion, like I think he's like six or seven all time, um, or at least over the last 40 years. I think he's a bigger prospect than, I mean, Greg Oden was huge too. Greg Oden's really, really a huge pro, uh, prospect that we sort of forget about. Um, he has something about him that's really refreshing. He just seems like a normal guy. He seems like a cool person. I hope he keeps that. I hope that he steps into the role that LeBron sort of had, that LeBron had from back in 2003 and sort of been the face of the league for so long. The league is starving for faces right now. Um, the period of like, honestly, if you look back at number one overall picks, we've had some really bad ones, right? Like, so go back to I'm going to do this off the top of my head, so forgive me, but. LeBron was 03, Dwight Howard was 04, um, Andrew Bogut was 05, Andre Bargnani was 06, and then you get Odin in 07. Like, who was the best of those picks after, you know, Dwight? None of those guys were really good, right? 08 was Derrick Rose, was going to be an all-time great, but I hurt. 09? Who was 09? 09's John, no, that's not John Wall, is it? No, 09's Blake Griffin. Blake's had, Blake had a great career. And would have been even more awesome if he wouldn't have had those those injuries. Um, then John Wall would have been awesome if it wasn't for the injuries. And then you know, 2011, Kyrie, unbelievable moments in the finals, but you know, largely disappointing in a lot of ways. Um, 2012, Anthony Davis has been one of the best, but has certainly had so many issues. 2013, Anthony Bennett. 2014. Andrew Wiggins, 2015, Cat, 2016. That's where I start to get a little lost. I think that's Ben Simmons. 2017 is uh, Markel Fultz. 2018, and then you get to the point where you don't really know as much anymore. I guess you kind of do with Aiton, DeAndre Aiton. And then, you know, obviously the last few years, you guys know how that story goes. But we haven't had great number one overall picks. Wemby has a chance to be a great number one overall pick, a guy who's the face of the NBA for a long time. And it makes me think of, you know, would you go back to 2003 and buy LeBron rookies? Of course you would. You'd do whatever you could to buy a, a, an exquisite rookie. But an exquisite rookie, when I came home from my mission in October of 2004, uh, was 2500 bucks. <laughs> Victor Wembanyama National, uh, National Treasures rookie, assuming it's produced, will never be a $2,500 card. I can promise you that. I can promise you that. So it's a different world today. Um, how are people going to think about it? 
it's going to be the story of the year. Guys, we went an hour. Sorry we went so long. Thank you for listening. You guys are awesome. Um, please like, subscribe, share. Go subscribe to Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine. Go watch my reels on at the Real 27 Guy on Instagram. Go do all those things, please, for, for support. I'm grateful for you guys listening. Let me know what you think. Send me a DM. Let me know if I was crazy. I always like uh, going back and forth with people. So always, always want to hear what you say. But appreciate the support by sharing, watching, liking, doing all of those things because that's what helps us to grow. And um, you guys know, like, my job as a content creator is full-time now. This is what I do. So um, really appreciate all that you guys can do to support the channel. If you have any questions on how to help, please send me a DM. I'm always happy to answer those. If you want to share what you think about this episode, let me know. And until next time, happy collecting. Thanks for listening to the Basketball Card Podcast. Reminder to subscribe to Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine at bcfmag.com. Remember to use discount code BASKETBALL10 for 10% off any item in the store. That's bcfmag.com.